Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, titled New Horizons in the Medical Management of Endometriosis, the Role of GNRH Antagonists, is a voice of the patient and voice of the provider curriculum and is provided by Omnia Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Despite its profound impact, endometriosis remains critically undermanaged. Diagnostic delay persists despite efforts promoting early intervention. In addition, we're still determining the short and long-term impact of the pandemic on patients with endometriosis, including those underserved population who grapple with health inequities. I am Dr. Ayman Al-Hindi, and I'm in San Diego at the annual meeting for clinician in the obstetrics and gynecology profession. My colleagues, Dr. Andrea Lucas and Lee Cholman, presented with me data regarding current and emerging practice pattern in the management of endometriosis, including the evolving role of GNRH antagonists and their potential use as an earlier and or augmentative treatment option. I'm here to provide a recap of the data that we presented, as well as the conclusion that we reached during our dynamic discussion. This is CME on REACH MD, and I'm Dr. Ayman Al-Hindi. So most of the information I'm going to present in the next few minutes is based on a survey that we conducted in preparation for this event. We surveyed 170 patients and 100 healthcare providers. From the patient side, these are endometriosis patients, and the survey is designated to collect patient views on the impact of endometriosis on quality of life, barriers to treatment, and we asked questions such as demographics, experience with endometriosis, how many years it took patient to confirm and to reach a diagnosis of endometriosis, the treatment provided, and the preferred treatment methods. On the provider side, we distributed the survey to existing network of OBGYNs, nurse practitioners, and physician assistant via Omnia Education. This was designated to collect providers' view on the impact of endometriosis on patients, the root causes of the barriers, and clinical inertia. And we asked questions, again, about demographics, patient population, the different treatment lines, and their preferred or offered methods of intervention. And as you can see on this slide, we had an even geographic diversity almost everywhere in the United States. Unfortunately, there was a major delay in the diagnosis. We asked the patient to rank their number of years to diagnosis from under one year, one to three years, three to seven years, seven to 10 years, or even more than 10 years. And as you can see, almost everywhere in the country, unfortunately, there was major delay in the diagnosis in the seven to 10 years range or in the more than 10 years range, which really emphasized the significant issue of delay to di in diagnosis of endometriosis. As you would expect, with this major delay in the diagnosis, the cost is also going very high. So we divided this in three groups, Short diagnosis, those diagnosed less than a year, and then intermediate, and then long, those who are diagnosed 7 to 10 years or more than 10 years. As you can imagine, with this major delay in diagnosis, the cost of managing endometriosis also goes up. In this study, the researchers looked at the impact of delay in diagnosis on the cost and divided the patient into three groups, those who have short diagnosis, intermediate or long delay in diagnosis. And as you can see, especially with the long and intermediate delay, the cost of managing endometriosis goes significantly higher. 
This slide actually talks about the disconnect between patient versus provider perception of the severity of the disease. So they ask the patient how they rank their symptom severity from severe to moderate to mild, and then they ask their provider also to rank the symptom severity in their patient. And particularly if you pay attention to the severe column, we have the patient column on the left and then the provider on the right. And as you can see, 50% of the patient in this particular survey ranked their symptoms as severe, while their provider ranked is as severe only in about 19% of the patients. This major disconnect really is a major challenge in the management of endometriosis. Now, this difference then is manifested in the moderate and the mild, where you actually see more provider ranking the symptoms as moderate or mild, while the patient is less than that. The European Society of Human Reproduction, the European equivalent to ACOG, had this statement issued recently in one of their guidelines. Although currently no evidence exists that a symptom diary questionnaire or app reduce the time to diagnosis or leads to earlier diagnosis, their guideline development group consider their potential benefit in complementing the traditional history taking as it empower women to demonstrate their symptoms. So all of these attempts using, of course, the traditional history taking, but these newer options such as questionnaires and apps, all aiming to shorten the time to diagnosis of endometriosis. ACOG also has website and app with endometriosis material for patients. For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Ayman Al-Hindi, and I'm just about to discuss the importance of patient-centered care and how GNRH antagonists are shifting the endometriosis treatment paradigm. The key consideration in managing patients with endometriosis are the following. First, managing the acute symptoms and problems patient is dealing with that directly uh, impact their quality of life and relationship. Also addressing possible comorbidities. The productive life plans is very central to developing an effective and patient-centered treatment plan. For example, the patient who wants to attempt or pursue pregnancy right away probably will have a different management plan than those who wants to control their symptoms such as pain, etc., but will pursue pregnancy later on in their reproductive journey. We also need to pay attention to long-term health consequences, patient preference, and expectation from the patient treatment versus cure. I think it's, it's probably time to start think of endometriosis as a chronic disease and manage patient expectation versus aiming for a cure. Now we will talk about the results of the phase three clinical trials of the three members of the oral GnRH antagonist family of compounds. And we'll start from the results of Elagolix, which was evaluated through the Ilaris EM1 and Ilaris EM2 clinical research program. Here we present the data on the low-dose Elagolix, 150 milligram once a day, and also data on the high-dose Elagolix, 200 milligram twice a day for treatment of pelvic pain associated with endometriosis. And as we can see here, the low-dose, the 150 milligram once a day, about half of the patients showed significant decrease in their pelvic pain and dysmenorrhea symptoms, which was highly statistically more than the placebo group. But particularly in the high dose, the 200 milligram twice a day, we see about three quarters, about 75% of patients responded favorably and showed significant decrease in dysmenorrhea, 
which of course this was highly statistically more than placebo. Also, when we looked at the non-menstrual bilvic pain, the difference was also statistically significant between both ilagolics, low dose and high dose compared to placebo. In this next slide, we will discuss the results of the second member of that family of compound, ulogolics. Ulogolics was evaluated into a clinical research program called SPIRIT 1 and 2, and these are the results after six months treatment with ulogolics. And these results actually has been presented recently at the ASRM meeting. And as you can see here, this is the total score of the pain scale that we use to evaluate the response of patients treated with rolagolics. And this particular questionnaire, the EHP30, has several factors. Total score, pain, emotional well-being, control and powerlessness, self-image, and social support. And you can see here at baseline, both the placebo group and the ologolics combination therapy group had fairly high scores, suggesting severe pain and severe symptoms related to endometriosis. But if you look at the results after six months treatment, the score significantly decreased on average about 30 to 35 points in the ologolics combination therapy group, while it decreased only an average between 14 and 19 points in the placebo group. This difference was highly statistically significant on all the different parameters of this particular questionnaire. And finally, we'll end up with the results with the phase three Edelweiss program, which evaluated the linzagolics treatment of endometriosis-related pelvic pain. Here, Linzagolics was evaluated at two doses. One is the low dose, which is linzagolics 75 milligram once a day, versus the high dose, linzagolics 200 milligram once a day with the add-back therapy. And the add-back therapy was one milligram of estradiol and half milligram of norethindone acetate. And as you see here on the results, the placebo group unfortunately continued to have significant pain through the six months study of treatment. However, both the low dose, linzagolics, but particularly the high dose, show statistically significant decrease in dysmenorrhea, as well as non-ministerial bilvic pain, very quickly. You can see the results showing as early as four weeks and reach a maximum around eight weeks. And of course, the patient continued to show this significant decrease in symptoms through the six months of the study in both dysmenorrhea and also non-menstrual pelvic pain. In the University of Chicago, we are actually undergoing now a clinical trial to evaluate another potential use of these newer options, which is after surgery, post-surgical. So we know surgery for endometriosis is effective, but then we know also that the recurrence rate is extremely high, about 70% in the next five years. So to avoid the recurrence, or at least delay it as much as we can, we're evaluating the possible use of urologolics combination therapy in patients right after endometriosis surgery and to see if using this medication can delay or avoid the return of symptoms and provide patients with longer time with higher pain-free and higher quality of life. Panel concludes endometriosis is a public health problem. It has a major negative impact on quality of life beside the economic cost on the healthcare system. Diagnosis now is based on structural process of patient interview, clinical examination, and imaging. The traditional reliance on surgical biopsy and pathological evaluation is no longer valid. 
Need to rethink the older approach with immediate surgery. Consider patient endometriosis live. I think it's time to start thinking of endometriosis as a medical disease. And as any other medical condition, we start with simple, medical, non-invasive approaches and only leave surgery as a last resort for those who fail or not eligible for medical treatment. Medical management is first-line therapeutic option for women with pelvic pain with no desire for immediate pregnancy. Modern endometriosis care should be individualized with patient-centered, multimodal, and interdisciplinary integrated approach. I want to thank our audience for listening in and thank my colleagues, Dr. Andrea Lucas and Dr. Lee Schulman, for their insight, experience, and participation in the symposium. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Omnia Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Omnia. Thank you for listening.